guys listening back home are in for a treat, and we are working double duty for them back home. Oh, yeah. So I we got- don't miss a day. We are working double duty. If you guys want the full mint experience, you're going to have to be here next year. You don't like you're- working. Uh, I don't think anyone likes working. That's why we're here. What are you talking uh, about? Welcome back to Lucas, like Tigers, and Bronze. Yeah. Oh, my. Episode 954. Yeah. And we're going to have two special guests. We've got my esteemed co-host, Mr. Cage Lawyer, here. And we've got Josh Luber in the house. Say what's up. What's up? That's awesome. Hold on. He's always here. I'm a special guest. You're he's, the special he's guest. He's like the, the regular. I'm just special, right? Yeah, yeah, Which is yeah. fine. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that. that's very clear. And yes. Before you do it, check out the outfit, guys. He's going to make fun of it, but this is... Uh, we're tigers. Look at this. This is. Uh, I like this. I don't know. I think it's great. Thank you. Appreciate it. See, if Josh Luber likes it, we're all good. Are we audio and video or just audio? Audio and video. Lauren hooked oh, it up. Amazing. Lauren's doing an amazing job. Blake, thank you. Uh, let's go high level and get into the details. We could talk about your project coming up in two months. You could tease that. Sure. That, you, the, the one thing I was like, probably not going to talk about that. Talk about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, not, you should about tell it. people it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Right? Sure, something's yeah. coming. Uh, something's After coming. you something. left, We're not I gave you a big compliment. Mm-hmm. I think of you as an early adopter. And I think okay. the people at home that are listening, even just hearing you're working on a new project, I think in two months, three months when it comes out, it will be fun for them to follow and be like, this guy was first on sneakers, his first on StockX, he was early on cards. So before that. Well, you know, kind of in all seriousness, um, I, I kind of have to be right again this time right i was so right about sneakers and i was so right about cards but i joke but it's true it's just like i'm just the same as all of us like we grew up with sneakers we grew up with cards and you know and the next thing is in the same general it's not sneakers or cards but it's the same general like area um and so we'll see but you know i I was i was so right these last two i'm gonna look pretty stupid if i'm wrong this time so we'll see so you set the expectations so high I know. that, that I, failure is not an option? I, I, or or I just look pretty bad, particularly because the last two, I had you know billionaire NBA owners as my partners, and now I get to go out and do it on my own. So it's even more, by the way, the more I sort of put this out to the world, the, the more that you know I, I can uh, back away from it uh, once it happens. But right, it's like, oh, you had Dan and, and Ruben as partners, and then when you're out on your own, you, know, you, you fall on your face. So um, yeah, we'll see. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I made enough money with those guys that if I do, it's okay. So it's all right. So I, I understand exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Because I, everything I try to do, I fail at, unless I do it with Andrew. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this is the secret to success right here. So you should bring him on, whatever it is you do. It, I mean, look, in full, like, I believe this in, in my heart of hearts, business is just people. Like, that is it. And to find great people to work with, like, that's everything. And the one thing I'll say that I have so much um, just value in the last two companies and the business we built is that I have 50 people that I would work with in a heartbeat for this guy for an Android app or that person for marketing or whatever it is. And that's really what, I mean, that's what all life is about in relationship, but like truly in business, it's just about those people. Mm-hmm. And by having great people, you separate yourself. And, and that's really what I'm looking forward to in this business is going out and building the team that I want to build. How did you attract those people when you were first building StockX? So after we, the first time we talked, I think it's ripe. The the hobby right now is fertile for entrepreneurship. Totally. Uh, Absolutely. Not necessarily making money 10x, 20x on cards, but to build a business that there's a gap in the space. And you build, how do you attract people when you don't have a lot of money? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I spent the first two years at, at StockX where all I was doing was trying to convince people to move to Detroit. That's, that's tough. Yeah. Did you play him the eight mile movie? <laughs> that was the one thing I had going for was that Eminem was an investor, truly, right? And and look, we're now in a time where in a post COVID area where 
you don't have to convince people to move anywhere. You know, it's, hard to, it's hard enough to convince people to move anywhere, let alone to, to Detroit. Um, and so now you do have a big benefit of anyone starting a company today or running a business is that you can hire people remotely and hire great people. And I know that I'll, I'll miss a lot of that culture that gets created by having it in one place, but that's okay because like, I know who the first six hires of the new business are. They live in five different cities, right? And that's just how it's gonna be. But I know I don't have to convince them to move and, and that they, they can you know, possibly take the job because of the, the fact that we can break remotely now. Hobby-wise. Yeah, let's, let's get back. back no, yeah. I mean, I love that. And we could talk about that because, I mean, look, you obviously are an entrepreneur. And I think one of the cool things about the hobby is it's filled with entrepreneurs. 100%. People who have entrepreneurial spirit. Absolutely. I'll bring it back to the hobby. So I'm going to pay you a compliment here. So don't get used to this. Mm. When people are trying to educate folks, when people are trying to push an idea, when people are trying to you know, make something that is not common sense to folks, sometimes they write about it. Yep. The Federalist Paper is a good example, right? <laughs> Madison and, and Hamilton and uh, John Jay, right? Yeah, sure. Not everybody believed in the Constitution, but if you write about it, you can express your vision and convince people. So you wrote yep. a manifesto. Mm. What was it called? <laughs> well, it was called Trading Cards Are Cool Again, and uh, I never used the word manifesto. Um, there's really only three other manifestos that like, I really know about, or that everyone knows about. You have the Communist Manifesto, which is like 1848. Yep. You have the Unabomber Manifesto, which is 1995. You're a good company. Yeah. And then you have the Hacker's Manifesto from the movie Hackers that came out the same week as the Unabomber's Manifesto. I think there's something there. So I'm happy to be the fourth manifesto in there, but I will say we called it Trading Cards Are Cool Again because I think that Trading cards have always been cool to us, but it's becoming more relevant. Trading cards are becoming more relevant in culture. And the underlying sort of like big idea in there, one of them is that the hobby will really break through mainstream when it becomes part of just mainstream culture, right? That it's cool to everybody. And I think we're getting there. And so those ideas like, we're not really there yet in terms of trading cards being cool again, but like we will there. But like think about like 1990, trading cards were cool like yeah. everywhere right and granted it's a much different time there's no internet and so we didn't have that culture that that permeated through everything the way it did but like trading cards were cool in the world in 1990 and today there's just well there's a lot of other cool things as well but anyway how long ago did you write it uh it's like 18 months it was november of 21 so one thing that makes you believe that we're going in the right direction after 18 months and one thing you think that is going the wrong direction about the hobby um well, the right direction, I would say, um, and this is um, one of the main points that we spoke about uh, during the panel, is that there are many businesses in the hobby, and you know, to your point, in terms of entrepreneurs and the opportunity to create more businesses. And as those businesses are building up their infrastructure and their systems and processes, it enables more growth in the hobby. So uh, Dan Fleischman gave a really good example. Um, you know, We're in Las Vegas right now. He's opening up his ninth store at Mandalay Bay. Um, this weekend, you know, he opened up the first two and then he didn't open up another store, I think he said for like 12, 15, 18 months, and then he opened up five stores within like four months or something like that, right? It's, you can't have exponential growth and real true growth in the hobby until those companies get their backyards in order and build those processes and systems and have the teams that do that. So we're starting to get that. We're not there yet. In terms of going in the wrong direction, I think that we still have way too much fragmentation around marketplaces. 
which is to say that right there's so many places that you can buy cards and why that's bad is that cards are fundamentally commodities they have true market prices most of them are not one-on-ones and so you want to have that information in one place when you have fragmentation that leads to arbitrage across channels that leads to, to and usually it ends up with declined prices because people will miss a card here. You want, you want all the bidders in one place. You want all the, the supply in one place. That's what creates true liquidity and true markets. And right now we have many fragmentation. Over time, those markets will fall out. We will have more. You don't need a monopoly. You don't have to have one place that everyone goes, right? But you need, a, you need enough consolidation that if a you know, I don't know, a, a, a Jordan 9 hits the market, which obviously is a card that has a ton of liquidity, right? If a Jordan 9 hits the market, there's so much liquidity, that card should never be within 5% max of what the market value is at any time because it's such a liquid card, yep. right? And that, I mean, that's a, that's a, a good example because there's a lot of it, but anyway. Not to crap on anybody, yeah. but yeah. a sentence like, yeah, that card sold for you know ten or twenty percent less than the last one, but it sold on old, so don't don't count that value. That's a perfect example, right? And by the way, I think that the the actual product that Alt has built is really good, yep. and the technology behind it is really good. They're not one of the leaders, and so sometimes they will have cards that will sell for less because there is a lot of fragmentation, and that's their challenge as a business to to try to resolve that. But a card should never sell for 20% less than market value. That's crazy. That's a huge delta. Huge. You worked with Fanatics, right? Manufacturing. How many card manufacturers were there during your age? 80s, 90s? 5, 10? A lot. Three. A lot. Three? No. no. You had Upper Deck, okay. Fleer, Donruss, Tops, Score. Well, that's, what, that's when you got to 1988, 89, once Upper Deck came in, right? But... 87 before score, it was three, Tops, Donner's, Fleer. And by the way, 1981, Tops. Do you think the hobby is in a better place when there's one manufacturer? Or do you think the hobby is in a better place when there's five to ten of them? Well, there's not five to ten. Right right now, there's there's essential, there's three, right? Yeah. You, Panini, Fanatics, and Upper Deck. Brian Gray right? does not like you. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, but then there's the next tier down. Well, there's three that have... That have licensed, you know, products. One has like ninety-five to ninety-nine percent market share. In two years or less, once Fanatics takes over basketball, football, and given the fact of, of hockey being hockey, right? Yeah, you have one uh, one real manufacturer that controls the majority of the hobby. That is correct. Yes. Do you think the hobby is in a better place with one manufacturer or ten, or somewhere in between there? I mean, it depends what that manufacturer does. Yeah, I don't know if. I don't know if it matters that much um, because, you know, and we talked about a little bit this offline, as long as the manufacturers and all the businesses, but as long as they have aligned incentives, mm -hmm. I'm not worried that Fanatics is going to try to gouge the industry or overproduce or anything like that because they're in it for the long term. They have 20 year deals with the leagues and, and PAs. And by the way, those might as well be infinite because they're going to continue to renew. The leagues and PAs have equity positions in Fanatics collectibles, right? So they're long-term aligned to grow the hobby and if they they try to overproduce and take too much money out of the hobby in any given year thing will fall apart and they'll lose long term so i think it's okay that there's one that, that controls all of that but to your point sure i mean you know let's see what they do i mean yeah. I, you already are seeing what they're doing listen I, I mean i have commented 
various ways about fanatics, right? We had, you know, their marketing guy, Ben Taylor, on our show, and I talked about Series 1 and some of the misses I thought were there. By the way, you had a great point to him, uh, which is that, um, you know, some of the product is still crap, right? Ben, by the way, is one of the smartest marketing people I know, like, period. But if you right? market it and you do a great job, but you bring people to a product that they're not going to want to continue to that's buy, right. then what's the point? Yeah, yeah. and uh, look, there, that's, a, that's a slippery slope because you have such significant knowledge about the hobby and have such a, a different taste for cards than that, you know, eight-year-old kid that, right. that just wants the, you know, he's in Philly and he just wants to pull a Bryce Harper, right? Um, and so, but, and there, but there's something about, right, just, we just got to start. Yeah. And the fact that they started and the fact that they have someone as good as Ben, you know, leading marketing is awesome, right? Well, I said that, but at the same time, I'm only on Instagram for the hobby. Sure. I started this just to do this. I don't have not like, for fashion. Yeah, hey, <laughs> that was my shirt. No, but so so I know that surprises people. But yes, I'm old Instagram. I didn't have it before doing cards. I just didn't. But here's the thing: they didn't have Instagram when you were before you did cards. Know, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're old. I've been yeah. on eBay since 1998. Are you older than me? I'm 45. I'll do. I, I got you by a year. All right, yeah. But but think about this for a second. Today I open up Instagram and it's all hobby. My my yep. Instagram is all hobby, and I saw the commissioner of baseball talking about baseball cards. That's a good video they did. Mm -hmm. That was not happening before. Exactly. It's happening now. Yep. So I see something like that, and okay, could they have you know, gotten some other cool Julio Rodriguez stuff in Series 1 because they had him at their disposal? Sure. But they are making moves. Yeah. They are doing things. Yeah, right? absolutely. Which absolutely. I think are good things. And, and your point about the commissioner is dead on. The way this industry will grow will be on the backs of the leagues, period. Right? Like, if you had even a fraction of the baseball fans or the basketball fans or the, or the football fans come into the hobby, this hobby will 10x tomorrow, yeah. right? Like, it's just such a small group of fans that actually collect, and that's, like, that's how the hobby will grow. And, and Fanatic, that's why Fanatic's aligned with them and go down that path. I have a question for you. I don't want to steal this, but... Can I just say one thing? Please. So, I was going to make a joke about no, Simple Jack. Make a joke. Back up. No, no, don't. Uh, <laughs> When we had, I'm a cause effect guy. When we had five manufacturers, the reason I asked that question mm -hmm. is we had Beam Team, we had PMG, yeah. we had Topps Chrome Refractors, we had what's the holographics card that you talked about? Sportflex. Sportflex. You Sport had Flicks. innovation. You had some really cool stuff when these companies were kind of trying to outdo each well, other. Chrome came out, right? Yeah. Finest came out. Yeah. There was other, you know, I mean, they came out with the Chrome cards, the numbered cards. You it's know, still just a piece of paper like there's not so like there's there, a lot of stuff that's been done around cards over time right but like, the innovation yeah. comes from the competition i think is what he's saying well yeah. that's fair i yeah. mean okay i mean that that's fine that's yeah. you guys you guys should you guys do a podcast, should do a together. podcast yes. together right no uh, but i know what he's saying no right? i mean look that that's right but again fanatics has to compete with itself right you you have you have different brands and you have the different groups of different within the different brands to be able to create products like they they will have to to innovate and continue to innovate on there. But you're the one that talks about incentives mm -hmm. and you have no incentive to compete against yourself when you control so much of the market share. You have incentive to cut costs and ramp up production. I, it just it's sheer incentives. That's, I think that's, the incentive is they they've now invested so much yeah. money into it that they in order to succeed they can't. Yeah. They can't cut costs. Yeah. They can't increase production. They have to innovate to bring more people in and grow it to justify the expenditure right. and to keep the leagues happy. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the leagues are involved now. I have a question for you. Yep. You can say it's about fanatics or not fanatics. I don't want you to besmirch anyone. But let's just oh. hypothetically say. Sure. Right? Hypothetically say. There's hypothetically, there's a, a company that makes all the cards. There's a company that's yeah. coming into the hobby. I'm going to make a Should anyone worry? And, and I'll, I will, I'll, I'll give you one example. And you can probably come up with five or eight other ones. There's a lot of legacy stuff that goes on in the hobby. Right? Take card shows, for example. Right? Mm -hmm. There have been people who've been running card shows for decades, mm -hmm. right? And they run a certain way. They run. I've seen this hypothetical company hypothetically go to card shows mm -hmm. recently. And should the people who run card shows be worried that this hypothetical brand may just start doing their own shows and just kind of push them to the side? I. Are we still asking that same question about hobby shops? Yeah. Really? I mean, you, you know, I mean, like, I mean, that was, by the way, that was the first thing that everybody said. Right? So I talked to a hobby shop owner local to me yesterday on the couch in the founder's dinner, and he said, I used to get 20, 30 cases of tops. I used to have for everybody. I used to get it straight from tops, and now I can't. I get one because tops is now selling it directly to the consumer. And he's no longer going to be at the Hofstra show because he's not making as much money as he made. And he wanted to have an audience with Tops to say, I understand what you have mm -hmm. to do. And listen, I saw what he was saying. I also said, it's not the worst thing in the world to cut a middleman out yeah. because Fanatics is supposed to also be looking out for the consumer. And I don't think it's a bad thing for you to be able to go online and buy a box of Tops yourself. But yeah, the hobby shops were worried. This is now a hobby shop that's not making the money that they did. So yeah. yeah. Well, look, I, any individual business is going to have their own challenges, and I, I don't know who this is, and I don't know where they they stand in the the pecking order of their own business. But if here's let me say this: the the leaders at Fanatics understand the importance of. Um, the consumer touch of being closer. They understand the importance of hobby shops. They understand the, the importance of shows. And um, we've seen a, the biggest change we've seen in the industry for sure was distributors, right? And there's a lot of distributors that don't get the product they, they used to get anymore, right? Distributors are were true middlemen, right? They are not the people on the front lines in, t in touching the customers. But listen, any business is truly, their value is in focus. The value is in being great at one thing. You can't go do everything. You need partners to be able to go and, and do that. And, you know, look, will Fanatics create uh, card shows? I don't know. Could they? Sure. I mean, theoretically, they could do whatever they want. Could Nike have built StockX? Sure. But, like, that's not where their focus is, right? Um, you know, I think, like, I mean, we're sitting here in at Mint, right? Like. Mint and IMG, you know, or IMG and, and with some partners, you know, has put together a much different card show experience than we've ever seen at this point, right? Yep. So, you know, to your point, there's there's plenty of opportunities for other people. If you come in and do great work, Fanatics isn't going to go push Mint out of the way and IMG out of the way and say, hey, we're going to go do this better. Or are they going to go push, you know, the guy, you know, in, I don't know, middle of, of nowhere whose hobby shop is literally just like, 12 tables and his buddies there, sure. Like, that, that might go right. away. I'm not talking about those, the right. local guys, but here, I, I, I... You saw him at the Philly show. Yeah. Well, he lives in Philly. Yes. So that's all thing. Chicago, too. Yeah, right. right. And, but, by the way, did you see his Instagram? Did you see why he was there? He was taking the new CMO, the new head of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. The, so, he was taking new leadership around to educate them about the hobby. Right? So I guess my take on it is this, and I did a, like, I only saw it, but it was sort of like mm -hmm. an open letter to fanatics about collectors and about the base. Mm -hmm. What I would say is... My hope is that 
Fanatics doesn't just come in as like the big pot bully or a poker yeah. player, right? Because they can, yeah. right? They can. I think that there is value, and please tell me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, right? These are my typical questions. Yeah, no, that's right. And then you could tell me what I said wrong. So I think there's tremendous value in taking care of the legacy people in the hobby, 100%. the foundation of the hobby, right? 100%. And I think Fanatics can go one of two ways. They can go to a local show like the one, you, let's say a little bigger than what you're talking about, and say, we're just going to do it better, or they can do it with that person. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's important, right? Because you wrote a manifesto, you came into the hobby, you said, it's getting cool again, it's going to be cool, right, let's make it cool. Fanatics spent a lot of money getting into the hobby because of the people who built the hobby yeah. up to a place where they wanted to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, I mean, I, I hope that they are mindful of that. I'll go back to one of the first things I started before we, we started talking about the hobby, right? Business is just people. And for any company, Fanatics included, to go out and do anything, you need to have people to run it. And you're gonna where are you gonna get that? You gotta have people that have some expertise or are great at what they do. So if you today are somebody that runs a card show, any card show, and you're great at what you do, you've gotta be in the selection set for somebody that might be hired by a company that wants to do card shows, right? I mean it's just like the nature of it. Same thing like what did Dan do? Dan Fleischman, he went out and he partnered with people that already had card shops in other cities and said, Hey, I can bring you capital, I can bring you customers, I can bring you breaking, but he needed the operator and the people that knew the people in the ground and stuff like that like that you know that is a very you know, typical way to grow remember you went to the philly show yep. and, and you, you came back you said max he was smiling the whole time there yeah it's awesome. the, the big competitive advantage i want, want to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts on this is michael rubin's relationship with the athletes and remember you were yeah. like you said he the george kind of needling like, george Niang. he's like hey go go and sign some autographs like, go, right? go go to work you know like go look that maxi sign and go you go sign it was that's a funny. unique relationship yeah. that i don't think this business has had where like a manufacturer has truly had the respect of the athletes versus oh we have cd lamb on contract but he's not signing so we're gonna sue him and right that's that's carrot or the stick yeah i think they have the carrot where athletes sort of want to do it is, is yeah. that fair to say well and forget it like Let's even put Ruben aside, right? This just gets back to what I said earlier, which is the hobby will grow based on the back of the leagues, right? And the leagues are partners in this business. And this is like, it's always been the league's business. It's just what the economics behind it, behind the scenes, like were different. But you can't make basketball cards without the NBA, right? It's still the players on the front of that. And so, you know, this goes back to alignment. This goes back to to people, et cetera. Yes, I mean, Ruben owned a team, but he also owns Fanatics, and Fanatics is partners with the leagues and has been partnered with the... Look, the reason that we got the licenses was not me, right? Like, sure, like I was there with them and we went outside that, but it was his relationships with the leagues and Fanatics over 20 years of, of doing that, you know? So, yeah. So. Yeah, no. and, and they just... Now they're doing jerseys for the NHL. It's only a matter of time. Well, yeah. My take on it is they have a it's funny I said the wrong thing because Andrew's a workout guy I'm not I, I know you can't tell thank but, you but uh, I, I said fanatics it's a waste of time they're you know, they're, building businesses they Wait, bench working, working out a lot because they have so much weight on their shoulders and he made fun of me he's like mm-hmm. bench press isn't a shoulder exercise you idiot I'm like mm-hmm. you get the point like I'm not trying I'm to sure crap on them yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm they have a lot that they have to weigh yeah you know what I mean and and, and, and look and that's why go back like take your own like medicine here that's why they can only do so much with top series one this year right right. like you 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 had your points were right but it's also like hey man like 
Let's see what Top Series 1 looks like in two years, right, where they've had a couple cycles to do that and create cards and, you know. So here's so. what I would say. In marketing, be damned. I'm not in fanatics and I'm not a billionaire, but I, I said this to our crew here when they were asking questions before. I said, you had Julio dressed as Bob Ross painting. Mm -hmm. You couldn't stick a redemption card in there for the painting you made? Now, that would have been cool and it would have been an easy lift and it would have been something different. Well, two things. One, how do you know they didn't? Uh, Maybe it shows Jeff Wilson would have pulled it already. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe it maybe it shows up in in next year's whatever, right? Possibly. Like who Possibly. knows, right? Um, if it does, I'm yeah. I'm going to the videotape and I'm charging for that's this. the best thing about the podcast. People yeah. don't realize is everything's on record. Good, yeah, good ideas are on record. Yeah, and and I will say, and this is more of a, a general comment um, because you know I've run different businesses and worked and. Um, People come up with ideas all the time. And I, people still will email me ideas about StockX. And I'm like, yo, I left three years ago. <laughs> um, but sometimes they're good ideas, sometimes they're not. But I promise you that, I won't probably, 99.99% of the time, it's not an idea we haven't thought of, right? Like you have one, two ideas, and I get that you're in the hobby. But these people live these businesses. They think about 24-7. That's all, you know, it's all they do, right? So like the number of ideas, but you can only execute so many. People can be mad at me for this, yes. but I've spent a lot of time in hobbies and summits. I think you overestimate the intellect <laughs> of many people in the hobby. Can I Sorry, everyone, but I've, I have to be honest. I it's, don't lie. It's, my, my, point is, my point is about the people that if you, that is your life, is that if you live that business, Whatever it is. And I get there's a little bit of a difference in that, you know, collectors are business people and there's a, just the nature of cards and going down that, that path. But, you know, I, I, had, I haven't heard a new idea in a while. And that's only because we spent so much time nonstop thinking about it. By the way, it doesn't mean they're not good ideas. It doesn't mean they're, they're not an idea that's near the top of the list somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah. So, anyway. So we're going to have Candy Digital on the show in the upcoming week or two. New idea. NFTs, digital collectibles, right? Mm -hmm. We we saw an interesting, what, what would you call it, 12 months of a boom? Yeah. Yeah. Less? And now it's, NFTs almost like a bad word, right? Oh, it has yeah. a stigma like that. It. Any thoughts on digital collectibles? Yeah. Um, Long-term, 100% uh, digital collectibles will be viable big business. Um, what that long-term looks like, uh, it's obviously super hard to say, um, but it won't replace physical cards. Um, it will have to be in concert with them um, together, but it's happening, right? Did, did we hit a speed bump with the economy and crypto crashing? And for sure. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a small group of collectors, and you probably know some of them, that still very much yeah. buy Panini NFTs, oh, yeah. right? And, and, but I'm on it all the time myself. I, I think. Still? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. If yeah. for a long term, a long term bet, like I think there's, like I'm not buying it. I spend enough money on other stuff, but I think that's. I see some of those guys buying some of that stuff. I think that's smart. Like, but you got to be willing to hold that thing for ten years. So. Licensing, right? Is it? It obviously is, but do you see like friction down the road where Top Shot has an NBA license, Fanatics has an NBA license? Fanatics wants to create their own digital collectible, and they're like, hey, you can't use the IP. Well, all licensing has gotten so much smarter than it was previously. Um, you guys know the core of, you know, sort of Fanatics, uh, you know, core business, which was that, you know, before they were making branded um, a, a licensed apparel, 
any league, any team could basically give out whatever license they want. And so you had hundreds of people between the licensees and manufacturers and distributors and all thing. And Fanatics cleaned a lot of that up by saying, hey, leagues, you're going to deal with one person and, and doing that. So, um, yeah, I mean, all that stuff gets smarter just with time and, and information and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, they, they become symbiotic. Because, by the way, like in that example, if NBA Top Shot has any license from the league, right. and I, I don't – I'm not going to say how limited it is, whatever. They're an NBA partner, and Fanatics is an NBA partner, and Fanatics is not going to want to screw over an NBA, the NBA partner because it, it screws over the NBA, yeah. right? So it just becomes an ecosystem that they're competitors, but they're also, right? They're, they, they, the vertical integration is the word that comes to mind, and they are a, a bulldozer of vertical integration. Well, that, I mean, that's true, but, that, but it doesn't mean that there's not plenty of, of space for other people to, to operate and do stuff, but you know, some of that stuff is gonna be exclusive and that's that's just the nature of it. So any more questions for mm -hmm. Josh? Oh I got I, one. Please. Yeah. Why are you still using iPhone five? <laughs> I don't even know what number this is. I don't think this is an iPhone five. It's a square one. Mine's an eight. Non sport. So I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure this is got it's at least two two numbers, like a ten or an eleven. This is the oh, small yeah. version. You don't have oh, a small version. It's got two cameras on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's two okay. version. It's the only. Nice it's the only one that fits in your hand. Okay. Are you kidding me? You know how nice this is? You're a big non-sport yeah. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. What? But I'm not. I'm not buying sealed iPhones if that's what we're talking about. <laughs> which I, which I think was an interesting. Thing. I actually like think that's, that's kind of cool. I think it's super cool, yeah, but also not a lot of them. I don't love a, a product that is just separated by a thin piece of right. film and. I've said this. Delta between get angry. being $50,000 and being, it, yeah. It will go down as the invention. That changed. Fraud, yeah. The, the, the seal on the original iPhone is totally. not an Apple seal. Uh -huh. It's just yeah. anyone can BBC. seal it. BBC. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that. Something yeah. that's nice. authenticated well, and the well, house, but BBC did, I mean, they make mistakes, right? Oh. Logan. I, I yeah. never saw the video. Yeah. You never, you, yeah. <laughs> uh, Non-sport, what inning are we in? Are we still, are we still using that? <laughs> um, what quarter? I mean, he's Are only we, collecting GI Joe cards. GI Joe. Do you think? Do you think non-sport really catches on? Do you know that um, when we launched Zero Cool, we put GI Joe cards yeah. in the, the package? Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't own any GI Joe cards. Um, I actually think that um, Zero uh, Zero Cool non-sport cards have slowed considerably because there's so much work that has to be done with sports. Um, and so I think if sports have taken a leap forward, non-sports have taken a leap back. I think what gas is doing is interesting, but you know, they're just doing one-off cards. And, um, you know, I think zero cool is sort of merged in with fanatics, um, uh, non-sport. So you have, you know, they have star Wars and, you know, so I, I don't know what, what inning it is, but it's, um, it's not moving as fast as the rest and that's okay. Right. I mean, it, everything can't move at, at the same speed. I think the non-sport is more community. I mean, I think lots more oh, collectors. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, that's uh, that's a cool balance there. I mean, you know, the the shiny stuff, ultra modern, is uh, it, people want to buy it and sell it. But you come out with you know uh, a Game of Thrones set, for example, mm -hmm. right? And people who love the show want the card, and they're not buying it so that they can try to sell it at a show two weeks later for more than they paid. And and by the way, so th but there is a distinction between, at least in my mind, sort of non-spark, uh, sort of let's say cards in the cultural realm versus uh, entertainment, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, entertainment are big business, and you have a lot of collectors and, and stuff like that. But 
and this goes back to one of the key points in, in the white paper and the idea of trading cards are cool again. If we can get a regular set of cards from the most important people in culture outside of athletes, musicians, artists, fashion designers, right? If you can have cards of, of Travis Scott or the Kardashians or, um, you know, uh, Cause and Murakami and these artists that, that move the needle or, or Louis Vuitton, right? Like these, these are the, the brands and the companies and the people that truly drive culture. And it all permeates down, right? I mean, you guys have seen Devil, uh, what's Devil the, wears Prada. yeah, right? And the, the whole scene with the, with the blue, right? Where she's like wearing the blue sweater. Anyway. The movie guy. Yeah, yeah. This. He's certainly not a fashion guy, so it's fine. I yeah. read the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did not see the movie. Anyway, my point being, I won't go down that path. If we can have a regular, consistent group of cards for the people that move culture, they are way more likely to then get into cards. Like you, yeah. you may be able to get Travis Scott to care about trading cards if you pay him enough money to do uh, some sort of marketing with him. But he's way more likely to care about cards if you make cards of him and people that he's friends with and people that he works with and other rappers and other musicians, right? And if he cares about cards, then all the people that worship him are gonna care about cards. Like, that's the logic here you get to, right? I mean, I have an idea. You know, you know, I collect Kim Kardashian cards, yes, right? I do. I, and because I think one of these days, all she has to do is look at that card and see it and be like, oh, look how cool my RPA, or you know, whatever, you know, oh, look how cool, like my. I'm gonna ask you to oh, save your idea because he's already heard it. He has not heard this idea. Oh, he's so no right, whole night. No, yeah, no, I've heard every idea ever. Yeah, yeah, I've heard every idea ever. So right now, the most annoying commercial I think the audience would agree is Cardi B and Offset. and Offset their Happy Meal. Imagine having a set of cards included in that Happy Meal, right? Totally. And by the way, um, McDonald's has actually done a really good job of they did a Travis Scott Happy yep. Meal and they did a Cactus Point Flea Market Happy Meal, right? Of trying to bring these people that matter. And by the way, I don't know how those deals work, but I got to imagine they paid them just a crap load of money to do that. percent. And that's okay, right? That's okay. And so, like the trading card industry has to move there, but I guarantee you that after that Travis Scott promotion runs out, he ain't gonna be posting McDonald's on his right. feed, right? And the guy for offset was if it wasn't for a quarter pound <laughs> yeah. of cheese, no yeah. way. I and it's a pretty easy for fanatics to come in because that's actually value. Probably offsets a yeah. little bit of McDonald's yeah. cost. Yeah, like, hundred percent. Yes, exactly. So love it. Do we want to take questions? No. Um, do we? Because the, the well, will this pick it up? Yeah, Any questions? Anyone want to ask questions? Good. Shoot. I have one. Yeah, sure. please. Um, I just think one of the things I always think about is that. The 10x and all these numbers and valuation and everything were based off where the market was 18 months ago at its peak. Now that the market's shrunk, should that concern us at all? With like, with fanatics and, and everything. Valuations of the companies. Well, just the, of the cards or the companies. I feel like the value of cards going down. Oh. Yeah. You know how is that going to affect the the uh, R and D and everything that fanatics is putting into it? Yeah, I mean, look, that's really at the core of, of the white paper, and that's really at the core of, of what the whole industry has been dealing with over the last couple of years. I think we're at the point, and feel free to chime in, you guys both you know, know this as well as I do, that people have accepted where values are. People, no one thinks that you know a, a LeBron 10 is gonna be a $40,000 card anymore, right? And there's a, I mean, this is like the seven stages of grief, right? Like, you have to go, go through that. Um, but I think we're at the point where people sort of accept it, 
And so now you can just start building from here. And some people take big losses on that. Yeah, and that's just the way it goes, but we are where we are, and now we can start building up from there. I think so, there's still a subset yeah. of people who think we can't go lower, and that worries me a little bit. Maybe, maybe. Because what I, I'm seeing is- I'm, I'm more worried about the people that paid, you know, whatever, 4000 for a card that's worth 1000 and have it, you know, seen on eBay and be like, I'm never taking it down until it's worth 4000 again. I mean, it's just, like, all that does is just create friction and noise and, and like- Sitting on yeah. unrealized losses. Yeah, yeah, And hoping. Yeah, yeah, And But this gets to my other point around the um, fragmentation of, of selling platforms, right? The more liquidity we have in one place, the more everyone can agree that card is worth $1,000. And like you just look like an idiot if you have it sitting there for four thousand dollars and it never even shows up in, in the, the feed or whatever the, the marketplace is. So one more question while yep. you balance after this. You've seen all over Instagram now this Netflix car, you know, the Netflix show coming out about I think the Golden Rule, Golden Touch. Golden Touch. Golden mm -hmm. Touch. Any thoughts? Uh, Andrew Golding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dick. <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts on that on the Netflix series? Do you think it's gonna have any impact? Do you think it's gonna make the hobby look in a good light, bad light? So I've only seen the the previews like everyone else has. Um, I think that the more any promotion about the hobby is good, the fact that there's a uh, something about cards on Netflix is great. Um, we all know Ken's a character, so it's great. So be it. Um, and you know, I think on the whole. It doesn't do the producers, it doesn't do the show any good to sort of have like a bad feeling and a bad taste about that. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll be honest. I'm sure people will, ha will they'll show losses. They have to, if just the nature of when they've recorded it to now and, and the, to, to his point around the decline in, in prices. But I do think in the whole, it's a good thing, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to see it. You know, I'll watch it. Yeah, so it's very interesting to me where a director kind of focuses the lens sure. and I'm curious if the lens is going to be focused on Ken or well, if, the if, the if the lens is focused on collectors did you see the preview? Uh, yeah Ego, Money and uh, Greed was his well, tagline right. look Ken's going to get his shine look, hey Greed is going to the camera Wait, did you say Ken's going to get his shine? yeah did you say that on purpose? <laughs> he's that's funny yeah. um, he is going to get his airtime. Um, and he will have his quotes and he, but I thought the preview was actually very good in terms of showing a lot of product, a lot of people that were in there selling Toucan or, or watching it and to understand the sort of inner workings of a, you know, of a business like that he runs. It's about the product. Like if, if you don't have that story, I, someone was holding up like a Jackie Robinson worn jersey. If you don't have that part of it, I don't think there's really a, 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 story, a show in there. Um, so yeah, Ken will have his part, but. It's funny. Yeah. It looked to me almost like, a, you know, like, what is it, like Born Stars or like one of those yeah. kind of shows where it's like behind the scenes. Totally. We got this cool thing in and we yep. think this is worth this and I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to fly here to source this thing. It's like a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I would imagine they skewed that way instead of. We brought this in and told them it was going to be a million, but it sold for two hundred thousand. Like, yeah, you don't think it, you yeah, there'll be a couple of those, but yeah, it, it's not a show to make people look bad. It's yeah. not a show to to show how much money people are losing and stuff like that. And by the way, you guys are aware there's another documentary coming out. Well, there's a documentary coming out soon, um, and so um, you know I don't know the date or or whenever, but um, so there's more content as well, you know, coming out about the hobby, and that's great. Where's it going to live? Mm -hmm. Like, where's it going to air? I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that um, it's, uh, you know, also been filmed over the same period of time. 
but they've interviewed a lot of people in the hobby. They interviewed me. Um, and so the more content that comes out about the hobby, it's great. Yep. Awesome. Luca Nation, hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys in the audience enjoy it. A lot of you guys have been here for two, three hours. I think tremendous respect. Tell like, them that they have to go home. Uh, is that what you're saying? No, it's it's uh, no, it's humbling. It's, it's, it's if we want to complain, it's like man, people can't come out to support us. So I just want to How say do you thank follow you. Josh. Thanks, Josh. With nearly 40 years as the most trusted resource for collectors, dating back to the first Beckett magazine in 1984, Beckett has been the brand that bridges generations of the hobby. We're happy to be partnering with Beckett and look forward to keeping you all updated on the big things happening at the company in 2023. Beckett, it's the name you know and the name you can trust.